Hey dragons, welcome to episode 54 of the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. Today I am joined by Heather Breckel, a colorist, uh, on some various comic books such as My Little Ponies, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. She's also done some work with Star Wars comics and Spider-Man comics. But on this episode, we spend a little bit of time talking about her experience growing up with Nintendo and specifically on the Nintendo Switch now that it is out. So do me a favor, go reach out to her on Twitter, tell her hi, ask her questions about the Switch or her work with My Little Pony, go see it at a con, do whatever you need to do. But other than that, I want to say thank you again for listening and we will uh, enjoy the conversation and I'll catch you on the next one. Bye. In the basement rolling dice. Welcome again, dragons, to another episode of the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. Today, I am joined by one of my favorite colorists, Heather Breckel. You may know her from works such as My Little Pony. Obviously, that's one of my favorites, but also Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. And she's also done a little bit of work on Star Wars and Spider-Man. So, Heather, welcome to the show. How are you? I'm doing great. Thank you. Uh, thanks for having me on. Excellent. You're very welcome. Thank you for giving us part of your day and some insight into um, what you do and your work. And then as people will see our main feature, uh, you are the first person I get to talk in depth with about the Nintendo Switch. Awesome. Yeah, so, I can always go on about Nintendo. <laughs> I am extremely excited to hear about this. I'm hoping that you can give me some good ammunition to take it to my wife and be like, honey, this is why we need a Switch. <laughs> I mean, it is a good investment. Yeah. Um, let's, you know what? Let's jump right into, uh, first tell us a little bit about yourself and then we'll jump into the Switch. Okay. Uh, well, I've been working as a comic book colorist for... I guess about six or seven years. Um, I started doing it while I was at college, and then I did it on the side while I worked at Starbucks, which is a very glamorous job to have. <laughs> um, and then I eventually got enough work to where I've been able to do it full time. So, giving me a lot more gaming time. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, we could all use more time to game. I know I am a big. Uh, I don't have very much time, so most of my gaming is done either on my phone or in a handheld, which is kind of why I'm excited for the Switch. Yeah, it should be really perfect for that. Excellent. Um, how did you, if, if I can ask, how did you decide to be a colorist? How did you decide to be an artist? Was this just kind of where your passion lies, or...? Oh, well, I've always liked drawing. I mean, I didn't really think it was something I could do for a living. Like, I considered teaching for a while when I was, I guess, in elementary and middle school and all that. But um, I started getting serious about it in high school. And at the time, I considered doing animation. And I that's what I went to college for. And while I was in college, I participated in this uh, little comic book uh, battling website where artists would create their own character and duke it out uh, in comic book form called Enter Void. And from there, I kind of figured out, hey, coloring is really what I enjoy to do. So um, I realized that it was something that I could actually pursue. So senior year in college, I figured out that that's what I wanted to do. So um, I guess screw my animation degree. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's funny. Um, how did you manage to get into some of these properties that we were discussing? Like, how did you get associated with My Little Pony? Was it, did you contact them? Did they contact you? Well, it all started with, uh, James Stucco. I believe that's how you pronounce his last name. He, uh, he'd done some work for IDW and was going to be working on Godzilla Half Century War, which, uh, I helped with flats on. And the editor on that was Bobby Kerno. He is the editor on My Little Pony. And I also worked with 
uh, Marley Zircone, who drew the April issue of Ninja Turtle micro series. So from there, I kind of knew Bobby. And I remember seeing on the website Equestria Daily that IDW was going to be doing a My Little Pony comic and my editor was going to be on it. So I was already a fan of the show. So I was just like, Hey, Bobby, you know, if you, if you need someone on that, I'd, I'd love to be on it. And initially I think Andy was going to be the colorist on it, but doing the art plus the colors when you have like a month to do the issue isn't something that a lot of people can do. So. Uh, Bobby gave me a chance and Hasbro liked what I did. So that's how I got into it. That's excellent. And I think that that's, that's really cool that it was kind of, you know, I have a saying proper planning prevents poor performance and, or, um, luck is just preparation meets opportunity. So you'd been developing your skills as a colorist, and then you happen to see that someone you knew was working on a project that you already were a fan of. Yeah. I think that's that's really cool, and that just goes to show what people can do when they follow their passion. Yeah, and a big thing with the art world is it's really all about connections. So, I mean, it never hurts to, like, make friends, because you never know where they're going to go. Like, I mean, I knew James, like, way before he started, like, doing any sort of, like, professional comic stuff. So I made those connections, which are the other connections. So it's really, I mean, I guess it can be a little scary, but it's also a really cool way to get work. Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, I'm I'm a big fan of most of your work. Have you been working on My Little Pony since the beginning? Yeah, I've been on most of the issues of the ongoing... A large chunk of Friends Forever, micro series. Uh, we're doing a new thing, which I can't remember if it got announced or not, so I can't say. Is it Legends uh, of Magic? Yes, that's. I, <laughs> I'm so behind on the solicitation, so I never know what I can and can't say. So, so yeah, I just wrapped up the first issue of that with Brenda. So I'm looking forward to people checking that out. Oh, very cool. Uh, I know I've already pre-ordered the trade once it comes out in uh in november (laughs) so so eight months from now i'll get to see your wonderful work on legends of magic (laughs) oh i'm sure my previews will pop up so you can at least see a little bit on it because i think like cbr puts it up and equestria daily usually puts that stuff up yeah um are you let all right before we get into where people can can see you and get some of your work and find all that other good stuff let's talk Nintendo all right <laughs> so first um have you always been a Nintendo fan yeah uh when I was about four or five I think that was when the Nintendo came out with the NES and so my family got the the big pack that came with uh, regular Mario. It was like the trio pack that came with Mario, Duck Hunt, and that racing game that came with like a little pad that you run on. Yes, so, I, I remember that. So I've always been really into Nintendo. I always, it's like I wasn't always like super biased towards them. Like I remember during the SNES era, was I was a little bit, little bit more towards Sega. But, I mean, I've always liked Nintendo, and as an adult, I still love them. Yeah, I I remember I when I was growing up, Nintendo, we only had Nintendo stuff in the household. Mostly, I think it was because I was somewhat lazy, and the Super Nintendo only had a control pad, four buttons, and the L and R triggers, and the Genesis had six buttons, and I was like, I don't want to push two more buttons. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, but no, so I always, I, one of my earliest memories, um, was I worked so hard and saved all my allowance and then dropped like $110 on the Super Nintendo. And it blows my mind that a, that a a game system was only $110. I mean, I guess if you adjust for inflation, it's probably way more than that. But yeah, it's too early for math. I'm not doing that. (laughs) Yeah, I I miss the days where games were only well, systems were only that much, and 
Weren't games like really pricey for a while? I could have swore that they were up there in the SNES area. I can't remember. For as long as I can remember, games have always been about $50 on release day. On release day. Yeah. So it's weird that those haven't increased in price, but I'm guessing it's because operation costs have gone down. Like, it's a lot easier to produce a CD than a cartridge. Yeah, and I mean, people are only going to be able to afford so much. I mean, they're not going to spend like $100 on a game. I don't know, man. The Zelda Breath of the Wild Special Edition was 100 bucks. I was tempted, but I was like, no, because between, like, the Switch Breath of the Wild, I also had Horizon Zero Dawn, Neo, Mass Effect Andromeda, um, God, what else is coming out? Persona 5, uh, John and Rotham is doing, like, a PS4 port. So I'm like, there's just too many games. I can't do all these special editions, so I just did a regular one for Breath of the Wild. Oh, wow. And so are you, would you classify yourself as a gamer? Yeah. Okay. Um, so you have the Switch, and I'm assuming you also have a PS4. Do you have an Xbox One? No. I've, Xbox is, like, the one thing that I never really got into, because um, outside of, like, Overwatch, I've just never been into, like, first-person shooters, and that's generally what I associate Xbox with. I'm I'm absolutely with you on that one. I, I am not a first-person shooter-type person. And the only reason I got an original Xbox was because I was like, oh, it's about the same price as a DVD player and I get to play games because I got it on a deal. I was like, okay, I'll try out this Xbox thing. Um, And isn't that ridiculous how I was like, oh, it's the same price as a DVD player? I mean, I think that's the same kind of thing happened with the PS3. Like, I think that's why um, it's... Well, like Blu-ray beat out HD or whatever the other format was for in the HD wars because the PS3 was like the cheapest Blu-ray player. Oh yeah, I remember that. Um, no, so what? What did you? What package did you get for the Switch? What all did you get? Uh, I did obviously the regular edition of Breath of the Wild. I did the regular standard uh, gray edition of the Switch. I bought the Shovel Knight collection on the eShop, and I also got a Pro controller. So okay, now is this is this mainly for you, or is it is it are you mainly using it for family multiplayer type stuff? Oh, it's all for me. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm really excited about Splatoon 2 with uh, Mario Kart, even though I had a Wii U and have that. But I'm really excited about being able to like play it on that as well. But I, w- I wish there was more people nearby that I could play games with. Like most of my friends aren't really into games, and I really wanted Snipper Clips, which is one of the Switch launch titles. But it's like a local co-op game and it looks so cute and it looks really fun, but I'm like, Oh, I'm not going to get much out of this game in solo player. Um, I got to give a shout out to snipper clips and my buddy, uh, void on the geek to geek podcast because he has been raving about snipper clips. And oh, it looks so cool. apparently it's like perfect for his kids to play. So he'll just watch his kids play snipper clips for like an hour. But so I'll play with you if I'm ever where you are. And you you let me play your switch. (laughs) (laughs) I really hope that someday they do some sort of online co-op because it does look really cute. But my understanding, it's an indie title. So, I mean, you never know with indie titles. So, right now, you've got the regular controller, which has the, the two joy sticks, the two joy side things. Joy-cons. The Joy-cons. The Switch itself, and then the Pro Controller and a game. Can I ask yeah. how much that set you back? Oh, let me do the math. Uh, the Switch is like 200, Breath of the Wild... I think it's about 50. I have Prime, so I get that discount. Uh, the controller was 80. 
Yeah, I was eating the cats. So, a lot. <laughs> <laughs> so, we're talking... Like, it's an investment. Yeah. It's... it's uh, And, like, this is twice we've brought up math on the podcast, and I just keep thinking to myself, I was told there would be no math. Oh, I mean, there's <laughs> a reason I went to art school instead of a regular school. <laughs> First of all, how are you finding Breath of the Wild? I'm enjoying it a lot. I'll be honest. Aside from like Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask and Wind Waker, I don't really like 3D Zelda. Okay. But I've really enjoyed Breath of the Wild a ton. Like I'm getting a lot out of it, and it's just a blast. Okay. See, I'm. I agree with you a lot. Um, I to this day the only Zelda. I have ever beaten has been Ocarina of Time. And it's because I had a strategy guide the <laughs> entire way through. It's just, for some reason, when I was growing up, RPGs just didn't speak to me. And I couldn't, I couldn't connect that when I was getting this hint over here, it meant I needed to go over here. Yeah. You know? So how, how much... How many hours have you put into Breath of the Wild, and how much of the game do you think you've completed? Uh, I don't... I, I haven't put as much into it as some of my friends, because I was trying to blast through Horizon Zero Dawn before it came out. Um, I have probably about 20 hours on Breath of the Wild, and I am nowhere near finished, because my way of going through it is... I'm just exploring and having fun. I have done, like, one of the actual dungeons. There's four actual dungeons. But the rest of the game, you can kind of, like, go throughout the world and just do whatever the hell you want, pretty much. So um, if you want the game to be really quick, you can make it that way. I mean, you can technically go and kill Ganon the second you start the game if you really wanted to. Okay. So the game can be as long as you want it to be, which is really cool, and I really appreciate that. Oh, see, I don't know how I would deal with that, because I I usually, like, I play video games so I can see the ending. That's always been my shtick. Yeah. And so I'm like, oh, I can turn this on and go beat the final boss, like, ten minutes into it? I think I'm going to do that, and then I might not ever go back and play the game again. Whereas, <laughs> whereas the other side of me is, like, a ridiculous completionist, and I'm like, I need, like, in Mario, I, I need to collect every coin and get every star and do every single task I can possibly do. So, in that respect, I think I might just play Zelda until I die. Yeah, I mean, it's my understanding that, well, so there's this whole thing called the shrines, which are kind of like, while there's like traditional dungeons in the game, the shrines are kind of like mini dungeons. Like, you go to one and there's like a puzzle that you need to solve or multiple puzzles you need to solve. And at the end, you can get a little thing called a spiritual orb, I think is what it was called. And you can turn four of those in to get like a heart container and increase your stamina meter. But, I mean, you can technically do the whole game without even touching a shrine. I mean, it'll be a lot harder that way, because your only other way to get a heart container is going to be by doing the dungeons. Oh, okay. I mean, I don't recommend trying to do everything, because from what I've read, there's at least, like, a hundred of the little shrines. So, but on the bright side, since it is a handheld system and you can bring it wherever... It's kind of nice that you can like sit down at like Starbucks or wherever and be like, I'm just going to explore this continent today or I'm going to go do two or three shrines. Like, you okay. can pretty much play it in as small of chunks as you can while still accomplishing something, which is really cool. Especially if you're really busy. It's nice to know that I don't have to really sit here for four hours to do something if I don't want to. Yeah. And do you find you're playing the system more as a handheld or as a console? I've been using it more as a console 
But since I work from home, I there's days at a time where I won't see another person. So I'm trying to get into the habit of bringing it out with me so I can be like, well, I'll go get dinner, get coffee somewhere, and sit and play my Switch afterwards for an hour or two. So I really want to get into the habit of that since it's really cool to have a system I can bring with me. But for now, I'm using it more as a console. Okay. And how do you think Breath of the Wild, the overall experience, what are your overall impressions of, like, how expansive the world is compared to, you know, maybe A Link to the Past or Ocarina of Time? It's way bigger than any Zelda game, I think. I remember spending a whole day just traveling through one of the regions. I don't know how many regions there are offhand. But I spent the entire day being really thrilled. Yeah, I'm going to find all these secrets and find all all the shrines and everything. But even if I spent the whole day in that region, I could not find every single little thing. There's so many little secrets in that game. So it's very, very large. Very cool. Um, I feel like that's one of those games where if we were put into virtual reality like ready player one style that people would just never leave probably not (laughs) and it is really easy to get lost in the game and get really really involved in doing whatever like the cool thing about the game is that you can like give yourself little little things you want to do like maybe i just want to go to a shrine maybe i want to explore this area so it's cool how many options you have in the game Okay. And personally, what are your favorite types of games to play? Um, I've always, probably my top favorite, um, I really like the Metroidvania style of games. Like okay. side scrollers and stuff. But, I mean, I've always adored Metroid. But uh, RPGs are probably a close second. I grew up playing RPGs and like Earthbound is one of my favorites. And I got a PS1 because of Final Fantasy VII. So, kind of kept playing. Okay. Now, are you a Pokemon person at all? Yes. Okay. So, did did you get Sun and Moon? I do have Sun. I still haven't beaten it because I've been really busy with some other things. But I've been. I like that they've been trying to shake things up. I agree. I agree. Um. I apologize. I keep, like, I'm, like, trying to stay focused on, okay, we're supposed to be talking about the Switch, but I'm like, oh, but you're a gamer, and I want to talk about all these other things. Because <laughs> um, right now, the only things I've been playing has been my three, I, me and my wife got 3DSs for Christmas, and we've been playing Pokemon and Mario Kart 7, and that's about it. Yeah. Um. So, you said that, um, did, did you get any other games other than uh, Zelda? For my Switch? Yes. Uh, just the Shovel Knight collection. Because I, I had, like, the first one. Well, I mean, there's only one Shovel Knight, but I had, like, Shovel Knight on the Wii U, and I never played through the whole thing, so it's like, you know, this would be cool to have on the go, even though I have a 3DS as well, but... Um, yeah, that's really like the only one right now. I'm waiting for... Did you see the Nindies thing where they did a presentation on all the indie titles that are coming out this year? I did not. Can you tell me about it? Well, pretty much... It's like I don't remember all the titles, but pretty much they have a... They're doing... They're, there's a lot of heavy focus on bringing a lot of indie titles to the system. Like, I'm really excited that Stardew Valley is coming to it, so you can have Stardew Valley on the go. And it's going to have multiplayer as well. Um, there's also like a Fire Emblem slash Advance Wars style game coming out for anyone that's in the strategy RPGs. But pretty much they just did this whole presentation on indie titles that are coming. And there was a lot of really exciting ones the presentations. So I believe it's on their Nintendo Direct channel if you wanted to see it. I think it's only about a half hour long. Okay. No, yeah, I, I just Googled Nindies, and there's a bunch of talk. And I know that they released a developer pack, so I know that they were trying to cater to a lot more of the indie crowd. Yeah. 
Which is weird because that is not something Nintendo was big on. No, like, well, with the Wii U, I feel like they were kind of starting to push for independent titles. But the Switch is apparently stupidly easy to develop for. So I've seen like a lot of indie developers be like, hey, this is easy to develop for and really fun. I can do PC plus Switch ports. So it's cool to see them focus on that. Well, and I mean, don't get me wrong. I just thought I I don't have a Wii U because I thought it. I was just I got really irritated at Nintendo for a little while because I'm like, you're not. It's not a real new system. It's it's just kind of it's like a Wii 2.0, possibly yeah. even a Wii 1.5, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, what? Now, see, you got this more as a console system because you work from home. Yeah. For me, because most of my gaming, I mean, my commute is two and a half hours round trip, five days a week. Yeah. Um, So I'm not playing, I'm not playing video games in the car. Just saying right now, in case any authorities are listening. Um, But I'm on the road a lot. And so I don't have time to come home and sit in games. So I think that if I used the Switch, it would be mostly as a, as a, uh, not a console, as a handheld system. Have you noticed any difference in resolution or anything like that between the, having it docked and having it portable? It still looks really good in portable mode. From what I've read, the resolution is like a bit smaller. It actually performs better. Like Breath of the Wild does perform a little better on handheld than it does console. As uh, you'll see some of the opening parts in the plateau where there's a lot of grass. Occasionally there will be some frame rate stutters, but it's like it's nothing game breaking. But from in my experience, it does perform a bit better in handheld mode, and it does look really nice. And I have really tiny hands, so I appreciate that I can sit the screen on the table, prop it up, and I can use the Joy-Con separately. I have a 3DS XL, and I always hated how uncomfortable the system would get holding it for so long because this big, heavy, bulky thing is in my hands. Whereas with the Switch, you can can play it like a 3DS if you want, or you can do it like a regular little system with a little screen. And... When you, when you're playing it as a, like, do you you use the Joy-Cons as, like, Wii style, were you saying? Uh, I usually have them separate. If I'm doing them in handheld mode, it actually feels pretty good that way. But again, I have, I have small hands, so I know that people with, like, normal or large hands probably will want either the Pro Controller or... There's also a little attachment that comes with the Joy-Cons that you can put them onto this little dock thing and have, like, a regular-sized controller, pretty much. Okay. See, one of the things I was, like, I just... Hey, I totally feel you with the 3DS XL because it is not a light system. No. It is a heavy... It's a heavy controller, essentially. Um and maybe this is good for, for people with small hands, but I always felt the buttons were so close together that I was, like, getting a cramp trying to press the gas for Mario Kart as well as try to select my weapon. So that was a little rough for me. Um, but I, I enjoyed it when the Wii came out and I could play with my hands at my sides instead of constantly in front of me close together. Yeah, you can totally do that with the Joy-Cons if you wanted to. Now, I believe it's the left Joy-Con. Have you noticed any issues in responsiveness to the screen? I haven't really. Uh, the only time I will have an issue is like if I block something with like, if I set it like on my leg or something, like sometimes there will be some interference. But when I went to Starbucks and played it there, I had the controllers like, I had my hands and the controllers under the table with the Joy-Con propped on the table, and I had no issues at all. Like, I think as long as you're not sitting, like, a mile away 
or have a ton of things blocking Joy-Con itself, you're probably not going to have issues. Like, I can only think of once or twice it happened. Okay. And that's not bad. From what some of the stuff I was reading online was people were, like, freaking out. Um, People are being really dramatic about it. Well, people are being really dramatic about everything. Let's be honest. Yeah. I want to know what mansions these people live in where they're sitting, like, more than, like, like miles away from their TV to where it would be a problem. Well, I'm wondering if it's, like, these people just have, like, the biggest television screens, like a 60 or 70 inch screen, and so they have to be far away? It's possible. I think most people with normal setups shouldn't run into issues. And I've heard that if you do have issues, like Nintendo is being really prompt about replacing Joy-Con units. So, I mean, you have nothing to lose if you go for it. Were you a Mario platformer type person at all? Yeah, I do like platformers. Surprisingly, I was never like super hardcore into Mario. But, I mean, I do enjoy the games. Oh, wow. See, I was always a huge Mario fan to the point where I have, like, fan-made stuff from hacked Mario 64s on my computer. (laughs) Where it's like, guys have just made entirely new Mario games using everything from Mario 64. And they're some of the, like, most creative games. I don't know why... Nintendo doesn't reach out to these people and buy some of this, you know, intellectual property, or technically they own it anyway. Well, I've heard that that's kind of why they did Mario Maker. Because I remember something about, I think, like, Miyamoto said something like he saw, like, fan-made games and, like, speedruns and stuff. So I think that was kind of what they were going for with Mario Maker. For sure. So you're not dying for Super Mario Odyssey then, are you? I mean, I definitely want it. I enjoyed the hell out of uh, the last few Mario titles. I'm, I wasn't super wowed by their last few side-scrolling ones for, like, the Wii and the 3DS and such. So oh. I'm, I'm excited to see what they do. Because I've okay. heard it's kind of going to be like more like their Mario 64 or Mario Galaxy. Yeah, I heard it was going to be they're going back to an open world format because even though Mario Galaxy and Galaxy 2 were three-dimensional, it was still somewhat side-scroller, if you want to say yeah. it. Like, it was sequential. Like, you had to go from planet to planet. And if people haven't played Galaxy or Galaxy 2, what are you waiting for? Why are you listening to this podcast? Just put... Listen to this while you're playing. Just go buy a Wii. You could get one for like 10 bucks somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> now, is there anything else we need to talk about in regards to the Switch? Hmm. I mean, I feel like we pretty much covered the bases. Yeah. So, first, you're not, you're not getting this system to compete with a PlayStation 4 or an Xbox One or even whatever the next PlayStation system is or the next Xbox system. Like, this is not going to compete with them. You're not going to get ultra-realistic Resident Evil-type graphics on this. Yeah. Right? Um, So why... What took you to the Switch as opposed to waiting for one of these other systems or are you just kind of like well i'm hardcore i'm gonna get those two well i mean i kind of have my bases covered for the all the hardcore gaming like i have a ps4 i have a pc with um a gtx 1070 graphics card so i mean if i wanted realism by all means i can get it uh i mostly buy nintendo stuff because usually i i love their first party stuff and The thing that really sold the Switch for me was the handheld stuff, because even though I do work from home, I do do a lot of traveling to cons and visiting friends and family and stuff. So it's nice to have something that I can have on the go, and that's 
something that the other companies don't really do for me. Like, I had a PSP and I was like, well, this is all right. And the Vita looked like a great system, but I mean, it had like five games. So I really hope that Nintendo really busts out the games on the Switch because I go to Nintendo for a quality handheld. For sure. That actually reminds me of a question. How is the transition from console to handheld and vice versa? What do you mean? Just well, a physically going into the the console port is that fairly seamless? And then, like, I would be worried about like damaging my screen at all. And then, second, is it seamless in sense of gaming? Like, I think it's... oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say, is my game? Does it have to reboot or reload or I have to turn it off and on again to go from console to handheld and back again? It's really seamless. Uh, pretty much when I dock the system, I'm pretty gentle. Like I have heard of people scratching up their screen. Like I've had no issues because I'm like, just don't slam it in there. Just be, just be careful when you put it in. I mean, it's not like delicate glass, but I mean. Treat it like a 300 piece of hardware? Yes. <laughs> I mean, I have a screen protector on mine and I haven't noticed any scratches appearing on that. So, I mean, just, just treat it with care and you're good. And in terms of it being seamless, it's, I mean, it's not instant. Like, it's not going to pop up on your TV screen, like, in point five seconds. But it's very quick, very smooth. You just, you can literally just take it, take it out of the dock slam the Joy-Cons in, then you're good. You don't have to reboot it or anything. Like, There's no difference between like putting it in the dock and taking it out. Like, If you're in the middle of something, you're not gonna, your game isn't going to be interrupted by putting it into the dock or taking it out. Okay. And final Switch question. Where, what would you rate this on 1 to 5? And where would you rate this on a list of all consoles you've ever owned? I mean, I feel like it's still too early to say because I would rather judge it overall when it has more than, like, two games I care about. (laughs) Okay, makes sense. I mean, I would definitely, once it gets the library of games, it would definitely be above the 3DS for me just because it's way more comfortable and convenient to use. Yeah, okay. I mean, right now, my PS4 has the edge. (laughs) I just want to say that I totally appreciate you waiting until you have all the information before making a decision. Yeah. (laughs) Like, I I, I can't, like, give a solid score to what's essentially my Breath of the Wild machine right now. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. Uh, Now, can I ask you some questions so we can get to know you a little bit more? Yeah. Um. Tell me about your favorite superhero or fictional hero. Oh, I think right now it would probably have to be um, Kamala Khan as Miss Marvel. Okay, like, great choice. I, oh, it's, it's, her comic's so beautiful and well done. Like, I don't really care about superhero comics most of the time, but I appreciate that Marvel did a superhero that was well-written and relatable and wasn't afraid to like, you know, be funny and have fun with the series. Okay. Excellent. I, I need to pick that up and that and the unstoppable wasp. I've heard great things. Yeah. Uh, I was, um, sometime in April, we're having an episode come out where I was talking with, um, my friend Karen and we were focusing on female driven comics. Yeah. And she was just raving about Unstoppable Wasp. So I'm really excited to pick that up. And I've heard great things about Miss Marvel. It's yeah. just, I have so many books I'm reading. Yeah, I'm super behind on comics. Just because since I work on them, I'm like, by the time I'm done like working on comics for the day, I'm like, I don't really feel like reading comics right now. I, I completely understand. A lot of people will send me... Um, like lawyer news and legal news, but especially with some legal issues that are going on in this country right now. 
And I'm just like, I get home from work and I'm like, I have no interest. Like, this is why I read My Little Ponies and, you know, Rat Queens and Saga and things like that. Just because I need my escape. So I can understand how, as a comic book artist, sometimes you're like, I need my Breath of the Wild. Yeah. Now, is there anything that you do? that you're into that you really enjoy that people might find surprising? Uh, probably not. I mean, I feel like I kind of wear my, my heart on my sleeve with the same days or whatever. Uh, I feel like I made what, what I'm into fairly well known, like obviously in the comics and the games and to anime and such. So I'm not very deep or complicated. <laughs> <laughs> For sure. That's, dude, that's awesome. That way people don't have to guess what gifts to get you. Oh, yeah. I'm pretty straightforward. <laughs> yeah. Um, people always know with me, uh, Legos or comic books. It's pretty much all I need. Yeah, those are both really good things. I know, right? Super fun things. Now, um, Real quick to comics, I know you said you were a little bit behind, but is there anything you're currently reading aside from Miss Marvel that you just are absolutely in love with? I mean, I'm really behind on it, but I do love Saga as well. That's just a masterpiece. Yes. Uh, and don't worry if you're behind, because then you're not like me, who's been waiting six months for the next trade to come out. Oh, so, yeah, that's the worst. Yeah, and then it's like, when some other comics, they take like a six months hiatus, and that means yeah. I'm waiting for another year before the trade comes out. Yeah, like, I read some manga, and the longest time I was reading Hunter Hunter and Berserk, and boy, is it, you, you haven't experienced a hiatus until you've been into those, because... Like, Hunter Hunter, the Mandaka will do, like, um, oh, cat trying to walk on my keyboard. <laughs> he will do, like, one or two chapters, and then he'll take, like, a three-year hiatus. And I'm like, thanks. That's cool. And yeah. Berserk's the same way. And I don't, I don't know how these people make money. <laughs> right? It's like those, those, um, Louis C.K. with his show. He was like... He's, like, under contract, but he's like, okay, I'm going to do a 12-episode season, and then I'm going to take two years of break, then I'm going to come back when I've got more to write about. I'm like, it's a nice gig if you can get it. Yeah. I mean, I guess these people, like, make money in other ways. Like, I can totally understand not wanting to have, like, artistic burnouts. And, I mean, I would rather people do things as, like, naturally so that they can do high-quality work, but... As a fan, I'm just like, what the hell? I don't want to wait two years for the next chapter. <laughs> I am totally with you. And I think it's the, I, I can be patient with almost anything but my comic books. Yeah. <laughs> no. And so my next question is a bit of a fun one. If you could have any mundane superpower... What would you have? Uh, I would want to be able to teleport because I hate driving and I hate flying. Okay. See, I have to, I, I have to say that's not mundane. That's True. a to totally cool superpower. Um, one that I've told people is I wish in that same vein, hating driving, hating traffic is I wish I had the ability to know exactly which lane on the freeway will get me home the fastest. That would be really useful. I think <laughs> if I had to go really mundane, like I really, part of what makes me stay inside so much is I hate like going to like subway or going to the grocery and there's like a million people in line. So I would just love to have the power to get rid of those lines because every time I go to subway, I get behind that person that's like, I need a foot long, but make it two different sandwiches. And could you put X amount of vegetables on this side and X amount of vegetables on that side? And I just hate those people. <laughs> um, those people are a little inconsiderate. And I would, I would say that's maybe the definition of high maintenance. Yeah. Like, 
I mean, again, like I had worked at Starbucks, so I experienced how picky and ridiculous people can get with orders. So if I just never had to deal with that again in my life, I'd be cool. See, my one of my things with Starbucks people is I would give them my order in the order of the check boxes on the uh cup. Yeah. Cause I thought that was being helpful. But apparently they don't know what the hell I'm talking about when I when I go through those che- I can't even remember what the check boxes are, but I was like, oh, so I will order this, then this, then this, then this, then this. And then I don't... Since- Oh go ahead. I guess nobody else orders that way, so it's totally out of the norm for them. I mean, technically, that's how you're supposed to be ordering. Like, you're like, I want an ice tall vanilla soy latte. And the way you're saying that is you're technically, you're pretty much going down the boxes in the order that they're presented. So I don't know why they would be confused by that. One of the things is, most people will say decaf as one of the first things when it's one of the, I think it's one of the last checkboxes. Oh, oh no, it's a, it's the very first box. Is it? Yeah. Uh, well, last then, one is just the drink and the one above that is like anything like whip, whip, extra whip, whatever. I'm, I'm yielding to you. <laughs> Because this is an area that I know apparently nothing about. Um, and I'm not going to attempt to mansplain this. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Excellent. So uh, where can people um, connect with you? Do you have any upcoming cons that you're going to? Where can people catch some of your art? Uh, either coming out, uh, order it online, or go see you in person to pick some up. Well, uh, you can find me on Twitter at Angie Nisio, which is A-N-G-I-E-N-E-S-S-Y-O. Uh, that's, I do have other social media accounts, but they're more personal. So that's the main one to hit me up on. Uh, I'm going to be doing free comic book day at, uh, Packrat Comics here in Ohio. I think it's in Hilliard. And I think my next con is TrotsCon, which is in Columbus, Ohio. Uh, I think that's all the main stuff coming up. Okay. And TrotCon is a... I'm assuming it's a pony convention. Yes. Okay. Um, Any chance... No, that's this month or next month. Are you going to be at BabsCon at all? No. Okay. Um, I'm trying to convince... I have done this a few times. Okay. I'm trying to convince my wife to go with me, just take a weekend, and we'll go up to the Bay Area for a bit, because um, she also loves the My Little Ponies, but I don't know if she's pony convention ready. Well, I think it's a pretty chill con. Like, she shouldn't have issues. Like, I think it is one of the bigger cons now, but, I mean, it's not quite as overwhelming to go to as, like, Rony Con, which is the big one. Yeah. I think it's a pretty easy first con to do. And uh, I'm, I'm going to put a calendar and links to all that, all those uh, conventions and all those dates on the show notes page so people can go and check out where you're going to be. Um, one question is, how do you find the Brony uh, fan base? Well, I mean, like I said earlier, I started out as a Pony fan. So, I mean, I have like a lot of friends that are Bronies and either I knew them before I worked on the comic or I just met them through doing pony cons. But, I mean, the, the fandom's been really kind to me, so they've been really fun to interact with. Well, and I've, I've said this to a few people. I have never seen a more welcoming, accepting, just kind fan base almost anywhere. Because I think some other places people get into arguments over, you know, star Wars versus star Trek, uh, Stuart versus Shatner, things like that. And I just think that my little pony fans overall are just super accepting and super wonderful and super nice. And just 
really overjoyed that there's a population where they can share this with. Yeah. At least in my experience. Yeah, I haven't really had any problems. Like, I, I can't think of any instances where I've had, like, negative experiences with bronies. Like, I feel like one thing that people forget when they think of fandoms is every fandom is going to have, like, bad apples. So, I mean, don't let the bad people overshadow the good that is in that well, and I, I want to say that th- that's a very good point. And, like, you know, there's 1% of fans that are just going to be mean or angry or argumentative no matter what. Yeah. But I also don't think that's because of their fandom. I think that's no. just kind of an internal thing. Yeah, um, they would be jerks no matter where they were at. <laughs> <laughs> your words, your words. I, I appreciate that. Um, <laughs> now, uh, thank you so much. You've given me about an hour of your time. Uh, just As we end the podcast, what parting advice do you have for everyone out there listening to the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast? I guess if there's something you really want to do, work your butt off to do it. I mean, there's no guarantee that it'll happen, but I mean, it's not going to happen if you don't always try that's awesome. And that's that's so incredibly true. It's like you need to take one step forward before you can take two steps. And so you just got to keep trying and do what you want to do because you yeah, you might fail, but you also might succeed whereas if you don't do it, you're not going to succeed. Yeah. And there's a 0% chance it's going to happen if you don't always, you know, attempt to do it. Um this might be for uh, falling upon deaf ears, but it was, uh, you miss 100% of the shots you don't take. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyways, thank you so much for your time. I really do appreciate it. Thank you for sharing your Switch experience with me. I yeah, am very excited about it. Yeah, I definitely recommend it. Like, if you have the money to get it, even though there's not a ton of games for it right now, I mean, I'm enjoying the hell out of Breath of the Wild, and it should keep you busy, at least until Mario Kart comes out. <laughs> Excellent. And I think we're going to leave it there. All right, Dragons, thank you again for listening to this episode. Work out nerd out, y'all. Thank you for listening to the Dumbbells and Dragons podcast. Please leave us a review on iTunes as well as a rating. We would definitely appreciate it. And while you're at it, follow us on all social media at Dumbbells Dragon. That includes Pinterest, Tumblr, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Periscope, and Snapchat. Until next time, work out, nerd out.